Get Ripple, the bright new drink with that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. Ice-cold Ripple is the new drink for lively people. How are you today? I'm tired. No, you're not allowed to be. You have to wake up. Drink that special drink I made you. No. It look okay, the strawberry seeds look like worms. What? Look at it. Look at it from the side. Doesn't it look like it's like something that has mosquito larvae larvae swimming around in it? No, it, well if it does, then it's kind of like you know, people pay a lot of money to, for a parasite. You like send away for them. I don't think that's the same thing. Something you just made up with random stuff in your refrigerator. No, actually, this time I followed a recipe. Did you really? I totally did. That's a first. Probably, yeah. What is it? It is muddled strawberries. Bullshit. You put it in a blender. Put them in a blender. So, okay, maybe I didn't totally follow the recipe, but I tried muddling them, and I don't have a muddler, and it didn't work with the spoon very well. So I put them in the blender with some basil leaves, Okay. some lemon juice, Mm -hmm. some agave, and some vodka. Okay. It's pretty summery. Yeah. Then that's actually how it's described from the West Virginian person that posted it. It's a oh, summery drink. It's actually related to the story. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I when I think West Virginia, I don't think of those things. Well, and that they put agave in it. Honestly, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe they have to put agave in it because their strawberries aren't very sweet. Our strawberries around here are really sweet. So I kind of thought that. So I only put like a little dash of agave. You didn't put any agave, did you? Yeah, I did. Did you really? I did. Okay. Do you taste it? No. It's not sweet enough for you? No, it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just put a bit in. Anything fun, exciting happened to you this week? No. Not a thing? No. I went to L.A. Oh, why? I got stuck in L.A. Why? Why'd you do that? I had to go to a... I don't... I, it's a long story, but basically I had to go to a building that's owned by the federal government. And I went to this building and I had to do a bunch of paperwork. And okay. then they told me, you suck. <laughs> Surprise. We're celebrating Juneteenth the day early and closing our doors. Wait, what? Because Juneteenth was on Saturday. Sure. And so they I celebrated on, Friday? Yes. And they had to close. Because it's, it's considered a federal holiday now. Okay. Which, but great. Awesome. Yeah. But ev- like all of the federal buildings had to close on like super short notice because they waited so long to make it an actual federal holiday. So it was like the day before, I think. Were you supposed to be there on yes. Friday? And you actually drove all the way out there? Yes. And then they just said... Yes. So were their doors open? <laughs> yes. And then they closed? Yes. Are you kidding me? No. I f- feel like they should have put it into effect the, the following year. I agree. Like, great, let's celebrate. Awesome. Juneteenth. And then next year you get the day off. Not like go home now. I, I think it's just like government rules and regulations and they just have to follow it and they don't because like most of the people there in the building were like oh we just got told like right now and what are they gonna do go oh no we don't want to go home right yeah so basically I drove out there it took me about two hours it took me about three hours coming home so I spent about five hours in the car well I hope you listened to some good podcasts um yeah I did I listened to a few uh, so yeah, and YouTube now because I have YouTube, whatever Plus, it's called, something like that, the Prime. premium version. So I can just put on, I can put on music, That's I can funny. put on all that stuff and I can just listen. I have and, the premium YouTube now too. Oh, we probably should have figured out how to share an account. Oh, I am sharing an account. Oh. Are you sharing it with our brother? No. Oh. I pay for my own shit. Oh, I'm do too. <laughs> I also pay for Disney Plus and um, uh, Discovery Plus all by myself. I don't have any of those logins from Eric. He has. How come he doesn't give me any passwords? I listened to the Netflix Headspace last night. Oh, I, I've never done that. I was my first time. I couldn't fall asleep. Wait, Netflix? Uh huh. Oh, I thought it was on Spotify. Well, maybe is it, it the same thing? I've never listened to it on Spotify. Okay. 
but it's kind of cool it's kind of interactive like it's like okay what do you need help with meditation going to sleep um like stress relief type thing and then you get to pick like would you like to visit a like a forest or an ocean or blah 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 and it tells you it's this person pretty much telling a story and you fall asleep and you fall asleep and honestly i'm like this is crap i'm gonna be like tossing and turning and this is like stupid and I don't even remember what the story was about because I fell asleep so quickly and this was like late at night I could not fall asleep until I put this on so I'm gonna give it two thumbs up hmm I don't know I I feel a little bit apprehensive um I don't know why but I feel like Netflix people might try to intrude my dreams and subconsciously uh I don't know try to kill people Ooh, you went you went there fast. Oh, I mean, I don't know. No. <laughs> I was just thinking, tell me to upgrade my membership or something. Oh, but I don't know. I I feel like I have a little bit more control when I fall asleep to friends. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I went to a macrame class. That's exciting. Do you know what that is? I do know what that is. Have you ever been to one? No. You've never made anything beautiful out of macrame? Absolutely not. Why? Because you don't think it's beautiful? When am I going to do that? I don't know. On a Thursday evening like I did? No. Yeah. Macrame. I spent three hours. Oh my God. No. Tying knots. Absolutely not. And I did like this much. That sounds horrible. It was rough. It was, I thought I was going to be so amazing at it. I thought I was going to whip up this beautiful, like, thing I can hang on my wall. And first of all, I had to untie it, like, 14 times. And because I'm so short, the teacher actually brought me a stool because I was (laughs) (laughs) reaching up so high and everyone else could reach it like a normal person. And then at one point she came over and she's like, hmm. You You're know doing what? this completely wrong. You're just kind of creating your own pattern right now. Like, you know what? I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you're doing it, but we're just going to go with it. That sounds awful. But I didn't finish. And my arms. Did anybody finish? No. Oh. It was the girl's like first time teaching like this. Pers- and she thought people would be way smarter than they are. Yeah, we were dumb. We were not good. Mm. But it's pretty. I'll show you. Okay. I'm going. Are you going to finish it? Yeah. We're planning on the, my two girlfriends that I went with, Shelly and Sarah. um, We are planning on getting together and attempting Mm. to finish it. Let me know how that goes. I'll show you. Okay. It'll be be great. (laughs) Do you remember where we left off on our story here? We left off on uh, Shelly's husband being found burned alive in mm-hmm. his bedroom in Correct. their bedroom she was all dicey about it and very suspicious sounding and things weren't adding up and then there was lie detectors involved and that's the last thing i remember yeah she pretty much walks out of the ho- uh, hotel out of the hospital and says like hey uh i need to leave my house is on fire was what mm-hmm. she said so shelly she walks out to her car Oh, my God. Rose almost fell over backwards in her chair right now. (laughs) Shelly walks out to her car, and she opens the trunk, and she looks inside for a little while, and then she gets in her car and starts driving to her house, and on her way there, she calls Bobby Teets two times. He doesn't answer. He's, I mean, pretty distraught that his buddies. So he already knows. He's already there. I mean, he already knows there's a fire, and they haven't officially said that it was Jimmy, but everyone is, like, suspecting that it's Jimmy. So, Detective Paul Mezio note, sure, Detective Paul, he comes in to examine the body on the bed, and he's looking around, and, you know, he's a detective, he knows his stuff, and he's like, oh, wow, that's weird, like, only the bedroom's burned, and, like, the rest of the house seems pretty okay, and there's this body on the bed, and he's kind of, the body just kind of looks like it slept through everything like the smoke alarms the fire everything and the only thing that was really identifiable was the teeth on this bed so So, they had to use dental records mm -hmm. to positively id him right they knew it was him right right so 
Shelly gets to your house and she doesn't even know that a body's been found yet, or at least she doesn't act like a, she knows that a body's been found yet. And the pers- first person that she sees is the fire captain and this clergyman who's like, uh oh. Yeah. That's never good. Right. Because they're there to, you know, for grief counseling. So she runs up to this clergyman guy and she yells, quote, what the fuck is going on? Oh, no. I mean, do you really? I mean, I know you're upset, blah, blah, blah. But really, uh, like, do you need to drop the F-bomb with, like, that's kind of the funny. Jesus guy? <laughs> so Bobby Teets came up and he sees Shelly and he gives her this hug and he takes her into the back seat of the police like SUV because it's like raining super super hard like to oh. get her out of the rain oh yeah because yeah the car and stuff uh-huh. right moving the car okay oh, good job remembering uh-huh so Kelly Teets Rob Angus Jeremy and Jimmy's brother so there's all these people they're already there or they're arriving to give support they've heard about this and they're like oh my gosh we need to go and you know be there for Shelly and the kids and Shelly's informed that there was, in fact, a body found, and everyone suspects it's Jimmy. And she just keeps yelling and repeating over and over again, like, where is Jimmy? Someone go get Jimmy. Tell God to give Jimmy back. Ooh. But she never, like, cried about it. Like, she's just yelling and, and kind of flailing her arms around. Okay. So her the reaction that she had about hearing that her husband had died was very strange to the fire chief. So he's like, I'm going to keep tabs on this girl. He kind of keeps watching her because he's like, something is just not right with her. Okay. So she like goes to a neighbor's house to get out of the rain, just to try to calm down, relax. And Stephanie, who is or was Jimmy's ex-wife or first wife, she hears that a fire had happened at Jimmy's and that Jimmy, you know, was obviously dead. And when she heard the news, she said she let out like a like a primeval scream. Like she said she didn't even know what came over herself. She just screamed. And I'm kind of just telling you these different people because I like the different reactions that people have to terrible news. Okay. So Jimmy's ex wife screamed um and then denny and ruth who are jimmy's parents they find out about the fire and they get into their car and they start driving straight to their home and no one told them over the phone that their son was dead they just said that there was a fire and you need to get here and denny and ruth they get to the house and they're told that it is in fact jimmy that had passed and the pastor so Denny Pastor Denny who's Jimmy's dad he's so upset he demands to see his son's body and they're like no no you you don't need to see that um you need to just take a step back we're not letting you in he starts charging the front door and actually punches a police officer in the face oh no and has to be restrained because he's just distraught he's like I can't believe this this is my son He's obviously very upset. So Denny and Ruth, they go to look for Shelly, and they see her um, in the neighbor's house being comforted by her sister. But they say that she was pretty emotionless, like almost like a statue. And she was just staring out into nothing and not crying. And Denny gives Shelly a hug and tells her, like as he's just bawling, he says, quote, thank you for loving my son. And she responds with, quote, you're welcome. <laughs> I wish I would have loved him more. And then a friend of Jimmy's comes into the house and says how sorry he is to Shelly. And Shelly looks at him and says, oh, did you get that outfit at B Moss? Oh, weird. And that person that she said that to just was like kind of like awestruck, didn't even know how to respond. Like, that's weird and then another neighbor says to her quote can I get you anything and Shelly responds with yes a new husband what the hell okay but all right obviously like all fingers are pointing at her Mm -hmm. you're kind of like building it up that she's somehow involved sure but if you were wouldn't you like 
put on a little bit more of an act and not ask stupid questions like that and make stupid statements like that. Well, I mean, she is putting on the act of like screaming and, you know, yelling like, where's Jimmy? Someone go get Jimmy. But did you like just forget? And when you're asking for like shopping tips, like what? Yeah, that is just weird. Like, really? Like, oh, hey, um, my husband just burned in the fire in my home and I want to know where your shoes came from. Yeah, that almost makes me think that it's not her because that's just too stupid. Too weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's super weird. She tells, like, the detectives are kind of, like, interviewing her at this point. They, you know, obviously they have to interview her. She's the wife. That's just kind of how it works. And she said what happened was that she called the house phone and it was busy. And then she goes to her car to get her pager. Remember that whole thing that she had left in the car? At 10.30, she got that call from her neighbor that her house is on fire. So she's kind of telling her side of the story, like, what happened. Like, um, I was at work. I had to go get my pager out of the car. And I came back in, and I get this phone call. Okay. And as the detective is talking with her, he's taking his notes. And the notes that he writes are, she wants to be the center of attention and was more concerned about herself rather than her husband. She never cried during the interview. Um, Jimmy's cell phone was found on the kitchen island, but friends say he never went anywhere without it and had it on his nightstand when he went to sleep at night. So right there, there's something like different in everyone else's story and her story. But do they really know where he keeps his cell phone at night? Like, isn't that just a guess? Yeah. And and maybe he did that one time leave it on the island. Sure. I mean, I've done that before. I, many times I've, sorry, um, not plugged in my phone at night. Yeah. I called you like four times yesterday and you never answered me. Okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> so friends also say that Jimmy was an extremely light sleeper and he would have never slept through a phone call, let alone a fire alarm. And then he also heard that Shelly was having an affair with Bobby Teets. The detective is going to go talk with Shelly a little bit more, give some more information about her. And he finds her again at the neighbor's house with her sister, Jennifer. So the Teets family, are they're also there. And Shelly is seen getting a lot of comfort and attention from Bobby. They're actually seen holding hands, snuggling together, and even laying on a bed together. Oh, what? Uh-huh. Okay, again, like, way too obvious. Well, okay, so check this out. So they're starting, I'm going to jump forward just a bit, but like, so the funeral plans are going to happen. Okay. And you know, you have to, I don't know, I've never planned a funeral, but you've, you know, got to reserve the location and get a casket and order flowers and inform people. You know, there's a lot to do. Sure. It's, it's a pretty big event. Well, while um, Jimmy's funeral is being planned, uh, the Teats are helping. So um, Bobby and his wife. While that's happening, Bobby's wife kind of takes the lead. And even during that, um, Bobby and Shelly are seen like snuggling up. So while the planning of the funeral is occurring, they're just totally like giggly and flirty with each other. Okay, do you remember a few years back that Netflix documentary about the girl who I think was in Italy? She was an American and she had, she was an exchange student and she had a couple roommates in Italy and then she had this Italian boyfriend that she met up with at the night. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I don't remember what it was called. I totally know, you know what you're what talking, talking about. about. Mm-hmm. And so, long story short, the roommate is found murdered while the American girl is out at a club and when she comes home the next morning and finds the body and calls the police, they're filming her like as they're doing the investigation like making out with her boyfriend. It's so, like what? Like, Okay, whether you killed the person, you didn't kill the person, you loved them, you hated them, whatever, like what's wrong with your brain where you think that's a good idea? Right. At least cool it off for a while. Like, you know there's cameras, you know there's people, you know stuff is going to get back to detectives. Like, don't be such an idiot. Yeah, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Super weird. So back to the day of the fire. Uh, by 4.05 p.m., the body is 
identified as Jimmy Michael based on the dental records. Okay. So now the detective, he's going to go back and interview people like more officially because it's now gone from a house fire to a homicide. And he finds out that um, he's interviewing these people and Jimmy and Shelly actually didn't have the perfect marriage that Shelly wanted everyone to see. And Jimmy was telling his friends that they weren't having sex anymore and that they hadn't been for a while and he wasn't happy about this and he actually suspected that she was sleeping with someone. Maybe not his best friend, neighbor, co-worker, but someone. What's that whole line of uh, you lose them the way you got them? Well, that's a very good point because they both were cheating on their others. Yep. Comes so, or, wait, wait, who has that Goes, goes around, around comes, comes around. around. What comes around, goes around. So he had also received a female sweater in the mail that had a note on it that said, quote, keep your whore wife away from my husband. And it never was mentioned, like, who sent that sweater. Teats, you right? Think, you think yeah. Teats's Whatever wife, Kelly? Whatever her name Kelly? is. Yeah, the one planning the funeral. You think Kelly sent it to Jimmy? Yeah. Why don't you think she just would have gone up to him and go, hey, listen, your wife is sleeping with my husband. Maybe she did. He's dead. You don't know. And what's with these names? Like, when do you go from being a Bobby to a Robert or a Jimmy to a James? Or do you always stay that way? I think there's adult Jimmys. I know an adult Jimmy. Yeah. See, there you go. Do you know any adult Bobbies? Uh, no. I know Bob, who used to be a Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. Just funny. So maybe, maybe it was Kelly. I don't know. So, but they never did say who it was. They did say, though, that through the interviews of friends, that Jimmy didn't drink alcohol or do drugs. So the whole thought of like him maybe doing too many drugs or drinking too much and passing out on the bed and the fire occurring uh-huh. wasn't something that was realistic. Okay. He was a big guy. He was over 220 pounds when he was alive. That's pretty big. And he was a little over six feet tall. And then after he was burned, he weighed only 151 pounds. So a lot of him ended up in the fire, which is a very horrible way of saying it. So when the house was being checked out, so, you know, they're going through and checking the wiring, the electrical, water heater, maybe the stove. Everything looked fine, especially since it was a pretty new home. And then plus the majority of the fire was in the bedroom and then specifically the bed itself and, you know, Jimmy. So this is a quote from the book. It says, quote, the body was so badly burned that the experienced fire investigator found it difficult to visibly separate it from the charred remains of the the box spring mattress. One leg was completely missing and the other parts of the limbs had burned away. There was a large hole in the left side of the chest near the rib cage where tremendous heat had caused a blowout. I don't like that term. No, it's kind of like a volcano. Like it just... Oh, it reminds me... Of, oh, you know what? Exploded. I um I was on the 126 today uh-huh. and this car in front of me had a blowout. Was it a car or like a big truck? It was a small truck, like a regular sized truck. Mm-hmm. And it's because the truck in front of that, the it had like a roof panel. It was like a box truck and it had peeled off. Oh, wow. And then it came down onto the road and then the truck behind that drove over it because they had like no time to get out of the way and it caused them to have a blowout oh i was driving at one time to ventura i remember this so it scared me so bad i had it's loud well and i had the top down in my car oh and there's pieces of tire flying all over the place and it was a big rig truck yeah it was one of those huge tires it exploded and then again like you said like pieces of tire just went everywhere it was so loud. It was yeah. scary. So pieces of Jimmy went flying everywhere is what we're getting down to. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So if this was like a normal fire, Jimmy probably would have been able to get away. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't on drugs. Fire alarms were working. So they couldn't really figure out what happened. They couldn't really figure out how the fire started. But they knew for sure that the fire began on the bed. Um, they remember that Shelly had said like, oh, yeah, um, 
our iron yeah, was kind uh, of faulty. Uh-huh. Which they, was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, they did go back and check that out, and there was no issue with this iron. So the fire marshal, he brings in this canine named Brady, and his job is to hit on accelerants. Um, this dog, he found 10 spots that he hit on. Four of them were on the floor from the upstairs bedroom. So, like, the ceiling had kind of fallen down. Uh-huh. And the other six were in the bedroom. So, it was obviously arson. So, somebody used, like, lighter fluid or something. Some, some sort of kind accelerant. of accelerant. Exactly. Okay. So, what's super weird is that most of Jimmy's internal organs were still able to be tested by the coroner. Like, as badly as he was burned, like, missing limbs, they could only identify him by his dental records, his, you know, liver and heart were still somehow intact. And they test these and they find out that Jimmy had not died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Because if he had been alive and the fire had started the smoke would have gone into his lungs and you know so they could tell he was already dead when the he fire started he was dead when the fire started yikes and the investigator actually certified Jimmy's body as quote undetermined homicidal act so they were able to figure out that this was a slow moving fire and it seemed to stay in the bedroom and only spread to other areas of the home after the majority of the bedroom had burned And that was because there was little to no ventilation in the bedroom. So it just was kind of a fire that smoldered slowly for two hours before it erupted into the rest of the home. The detective goes to interview people at Shelley's place of work. And someone had come to identify Shelley, um, seeing her leave her house at 8.20. And he's like, oh, well, that's interesting because neighbor or right something? okay so, uh-huh. and remember how she has that personalized license plate oh yeah so it was obviously her because that person had said like oh yeah i saw the six pack super cringy license plate six pack yeah six pack so he's like oh weird she says you know she never left she was at work all day so he checks out the surveillance camera and he sees shelly doing her job she's checking on her patients she's walking the halls but then around 8 11 she goes out the front door of the hospital to the employee parking lot. She gets in her car. She drives out, heads in the direction of her home. Shelly comes back on the cameras, back into the employee parking lot at 8.25, and back in the hospital at 8.28. So she was gone for 17 minutes. Okay, but if she did do this, which is kind of sounding like she's the one who did this, again, how stupid can you be? Like... Do not know the place that you've worked forever. This big hospital has cameras and they can see you leaving and coming back. Well, I mean, but remember how obvious it was that she was at work. Like she went up to every person. She talked with people. She came to work half an hour early. She just made it a point to be seen. Cameras. I don't know. I just think that's like a really stupid. Yeah. Amateur. Totally. I, I think she's very arrogant and it sounds like that from the very beginning Mm -hmm. or with her doing back handsprings down the hallway and she sounds like the type of person who thinks she's smarter than everybody else and just can get away with it all yeah but she's bad at this really bad at this but what the detectives need to figure out is it possible that Shelly you know leaves her job drives to her house sets a fire and then driven back in just 17 minutes yes why was oh you say yes yes well why was jimmy in his bed and so they need to answer these questions so some of the professionals thought that jimmy may have been given a drug that paralyzed him and the drug recronium came up from some people at the hospital and so recronium is a drug um that was readily available at that hospital like not in a super like locked cabinet like it wasn't hard to get it was used frequently and it's also a drug that can paralyze you they use it a lot like in operating rooms um, or intensive care units so the problem however is that there were no narcotics found in jimmy's system but 
Apparently, a paralyzing drug such as recronium requires a different test. So they take Jimmy's liver and they send it to the National Medical Services Organization in Pennsylvania. Um, I think I may have mentioned this in the first one, but I don't remember. But there was a syringe that was found in the sink at Shelley's house. And in that syringe was a large amount of ibuprofen as well as a pink liquid that they couldn't identify, which I think is super weird. Like, why weren't they able to identify that pink liquid? Hmm. But that's something suspicious right there. Okay. So the 17 minutes. The drive from Ruby Memorial Hospital to Shelly and Jimmy's house was less than a mile. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So these detectives, they drive that route or multiple routes different times of the day, that time of the day, different ways to get there. And it would take no more than five minutes to get from the hospital to the house. No matter like if they hit every single red light, it just took no more than five minutes. Well, yeah. And if the guy's already dead and say she already had accelerant, all she had to do is like light a match or whatever. Why do you think she wouldn't have done that ahead of time? Like right when she left because she's trying to screw up the um, the time frame yeah mm-hmm. okay so say just for shits and giggles that it was a maximum of five minutes each direction that gives her seven minutes inside the house to like you said start the fire so this detective he calls Shelly as well as Bobby Teets to come back in to be interviewed but he doesn't tell them that they are now both suspects in the murder of Jimmy Michaels He takes them separately to be interviewed. And they're both totally clueless that anyone knows about their affair, um, what happened at the business convention. They also don't know that Jimmy's death is being treated like a homicide. They just think that they're being interviewed for whatever reason. Bobby Teets, as soon as he starts to get interviewed, he just starts like totally telling the whole story. He tells them all about the affair he's been having with Shelly. He told the detectives that him and Shelly had slept together just three days before Jimmy died. Yuck. He ended up taking a poly, and he actually passed the polygraph. Well, because he wasn't trying to hold anything back. He just spilled everything. Yeah. He also had a solid alibi for when the fire took place. So he gets off the hook. He um, is not charged with committing arson and or murder. Um, He's just now being charged as a cheating husband and bad best friend to Jimmy. Seriously, that should be a crime. It, you know, it could be. So Shelly, on the other hand, she's interviewed for six hours over two days. So yeah, within... She had a six-hour interview over two days, so it's probably three hours a day, which is a lot of question answering. Um, The prosecutors, they reviewed the interview and estimated that she lied over a hundred times during that six-hour interview. What an idiot. So much that her story continuously was changing. I knew I never liked her. (laughs) She didn't know that she had been caught on camera with Bobby. She didn't know that someone had identified her vehicle driving away from her house and knew the time that she was leaving. She didn't know um, that she had been caught on camera with a timestamp at the hospital. And when they asked her about all of this, she just gives the detectives like some elaborate explanations about how the iron must have started the fire. Like she keeps going back to the iron. Do they think that they like don't investigate this stuff? Did they, does she not realize that there's experts who determine how fires are caused? No, she's the iron killed her husband. Oh, jeez. So when she slowly caught on that she might be the suspect of this fire, she, of course, gets super defensive and she acts shocked, like, how dare you be accusing me? How can you think like this? She leaves the interview in a half and I guess she gets home and then a little bit later she calls the detective and she's like, hey you know what, can I come back and take a lie detector test? And he's like, uh, yeah, come on in. Let's do this. Idiot. So she comes in and she takes a test. And I guess 
they have like something like a pretest to kind of get your um, yeah where they ask you what day is it what's, what's your, your name, name? Mm-hmm. like yeah all that stuff just to kind of calibrate it right and yeah. they, they're asking her these questions and then they ask her the question so this isn't even the real test yet they ask her the question what kind of person do you think you are and she quotes she says I value honesty a lot I've always tried to be very honest. Bullshit. Honesty comes first. Lies. So she uses the word honest or honesty like three times just during the pretest, like maybe to try to convince herself. So they ask her about, you know, seeing her leave the hospital and she denies all of it over and over and over. And they keep asking her and suddenly she remembers like, oh yeah, it was raining. I went out to my car to get my pager. And while I was out there, I thought like, oh, shoot, I might as well move my car to somewhere that's covered so it doesn't get rained on. So she, you know, drives around for 17 minutes to look for a parking spot is what she wants them to believe. Okay. And they go, "Okay, well, why did you actually, you know, leave the premises? Because you weren't driving around just the parking lot. We actually can see you getting onto the road and she goes oh oh yeah um I had to go get something for my kids at the school but I didn't want um anyone to know that because I didn't want to get a trouble in trouble again at work for for leaving when I wasn't supposed to so before her polygraph goes much further she I think starts to go like oh my gosh these lies are even getting a little much for me and she's like this polygraph is going to make me look bad. Uh, it's just going to make it look like I'm lying, even though I'm not. So I don't want to do it anymore. And she just gets up and leaves. So on January 9th, Shelly files a personal loss claim for $194,000. And um, she's able to collect 140000 of it. And then she's still waiting for the 500000 from Jimmy's life insurance. So I forgot, did they actually get married or were they just together? They did get married, right? Jimmy and Shelly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were married. Yeah. And then by January 23rd, the fire detectives, they are still going over this burn site. And as they are like sifting through the ashes, they come across this orange plastic syringe cap. The only reason, <laughs> like, she seriously, she left the syringe in the sink and the cap there. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Maybe she thought it was going to burn, but it was in a sink. The well, syringe, that, right? Like, but the syringe cap wasn't. So they're thinking that, like, maybe the cap had, like, she popped it off, and then had you know, injected Jimmy with this paralyzing drug. And didn't realize that the cap had maybe rolled under the bed. Because the only reason that the cap didn't melt was because the debris had kind of covered it and protected it almost like a blanket. Okay. And because it was a smoldering fire, it was mm-hmm. really slow. I'm, I bet she or whoever did this uh, <laughs> thought that the whole house would just burn. Well, she probably wanted that to happen because then she'd get more insurance money. Yeah, true. So... Shelly was questioned about the syringe and the cap, and she said that she had never taken any drugs from the hospital and had absolutely no idea why they were in her home. So February 6th comes, and the National Medical Services, they send the final tox report from Jimmy's internal organs. And then, of course, in his heart, there were traces of the recronium. So his cause of death is now officially a homicide and is being intent him dying was by being intentionally injected by that lethal dose of recronium by another person. So it absolutely wasn't because of the fire. So Shelley's now being charged with first degree murder and first degree arson. She makes the plea of not guilty and a bond for $450,000 is put up and paid for her by her parents. So she doesn't have to sit in jail. Um, she, oh, go ahead. I have a question. Mm-hmm. At this point, is Shelly pointing the finger at anybody else? Uh, she's just saying that she didn't do it. She okay. had nothing to do with it. Because, like, what if it was um, Jimmy's first wife? 
because no. she what she's not saying that okay she's just saying i don't know who it was i don't know who would want to kill jimmy everyone loved jimmy okay yeah do you think it was i don't know i'm like, i'm wondering if maybe there's a twist somewhere because oh. you have the person who sent the sweater mm-hmm. who could be teats kelly kelly teats and then you also have this woman who hated shelly from the beginning um, who worked at the hospital as well, whatever her name was, Jimmy's first wife. Right. What's her name? Jimmy's first wife. Oh, well, it's not her if you Steph- don't know her name. Stephanie? Stephanie. Um, yeah, because mm-hmm. like she would have access to all of that. She would be pissed off at Jimmy for leaving her. And they all worked at the hospital together. And they together. all worked at the hospital. And Shelly shoved it in her face that she now had Jimmy. Right. And there, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Shelly to go back and sleep with her first husband again. And back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Shelly is placed on house arrest and she's wearing a super cool, fancy ankle bracelet now. But somehow Shelly is able to take off this ankle bracelet monitor a few times because she leaves her property at least six times. And people have see her. They know what's going on. It's a small little town. And they see her, like, out at the store or whatever. And as soon as the judge hears this, he's like, "Mm, nope, sorry. You sit in jail until your trial. So she actually had to actually sit in a jail cell for one month. What was so important that she had to go to town? Like, what really was going on that she really had anywhere to be? Probably the attention. Mm. Because she's an attention whore. W-H-O-R-E. Yeah. So the fire investigators, they're still trying to figure out this whole like arson thing. And they're taking samples from the master bedroom that Jimmy died in. And they make six replicas of the room. Wow. That's extensive. And they are so detailed that these replicas, um, they have, you know, each item of the furniture, the tile, the paint, the carpet, the mattress. And this costs over a million dollars. And they're performing it all in this like giant airplane hangar. And it's being funded by the ATF. Um, All these tests take over a month to complete. So they're really interested in this, not only because they want to bring Jimmy's killer to justice, but because this is what they have called a smoldering fire. And it burned so much slowly and it acts so differently. So they're kind of using it almost like as a case study because it was such a strange and unusual. Oh, look how I did that. A strange oh. and unusual <laughs> fire. Take me a second. And this is a quote from the fire chief Fetty. He says, when a fire burns down completely through the floor joists, it's indicative of a pour, he says. We've established that there was an accelerant used. So that's actually confirmed now. So the canine Brady hit on these accelerants, them doing these, you know, six room tests with the accelerants. This is how they're knowing what happened. So to give Shelly the benefit of the doubt, ha, um, they get three different irons, the same model that Shelly had in her home that she said had been malfunctioning. And they tried disabling the automatic shutoff, but they couldn't get the iron actually hot enough to ever start a fire. Um, I know you and I probably don't even own irons, but nope. have you left ever left one down? Down like, like on something yeah. where it burns? Mm-hmm. No. Like I have seen where you can like b- it, people burn uh, the shape of an iron into right. a shirt, an iron yeah. board or a shirt. Uh-huh. No. I mean, I've never tried that. I also don't even iron iron. No, so. neither do I. But they're saying that they couldn't get the iron hot enough. So they conclude that the headboard had caught fire and then collapsed on top of the bed. They had an automatic heater in the house that would turn on when it got a certain temperature or it was like on a time cycle was performed. And this influx of this, you know, heater and the air in the bedroom and then the lack of airflow created like the perfect atmosphere for the smoldering fire. 
So if the heater hadn't been on that day, you know, like, you know, if it gets super cold or not super cold, but if you have your heater set at 70 degrees and it drops to 69, then the heater's going to kick on to, you know, blow some heat in that room. Okay. Or some of people have it just come on every 45 minutes. Okay. And run for five minutes or whatever. So that's what they're suspecting happened because whenever that, air went into the bedroom that's kind of when the fire would pick up again oh I see yeah and then the air would shut off and the fire would kind of just smolder smolder out if the heater had turned on then stayed on it would take have taken over the entire house in less than 30 minutes but because the cycle that it was on created this smoldering fire um it was like a 10 minutes on 15 minutes off type timer okay So they lit this bed on fire. They closed the door. And, you know, obviously Shelly would have never have known, like, closing the door would have caused this smolder fire. If she would have known that, she probably would have left the door open so the whole house would have gone up. But because the door was closed, it trapped in the air and the heat and the fire, and it kept it specifically to that bedroom. So two hours and 10 minutes later, the fire created in the recreated bedroom did exactly what it did the day Shelly and Jimmy's home caught fire. And this is just a little bit of fire safety I'm going to throw in here. They do say that if you sleep with your bedroom doors closed, it's actually much safer if your house is to catch on fire. Huh. Because it will take that much longer to get to the room you're in okay I sleep with my bedroom door open yes so do I but like my whole house is like the size of a room so I mean I feel like if any part of it's gonna light on fire the whole thing is so you've been through a fire when when your house caught on fire before do you was your door open or closed do you know well you weren't in the home it was probably open yeah Yeah. but I mean not like it matters (laughs) Like the whole thing burned to the ground. Yeah, there was nothing left there. So if Shelly Michael left her job that was less than a mile from her home, drove to her house, lit a fire in the bedroom, closed the door, and returned to work, then didn't receive a phone call that her home was on fire for over two hours, that's maybe why she left again and she started panicking like, oh, shit, like... I did this at, you know, 5.30 this morning. No one has called me to tell me that my house is on fire. Maybe I should leave and go check on it. So that's why they're thinking that she actually left the house. So on July 9th, 2007, the trial begins. There are 37 witnesses brought for the prosecution, including Jimmy's parents, employees, coworkers, medical professionals, firemen, investigators, the prosecutor said that Shelley had injected Jimmy with the recronium and she put some kind of accelerant in the bedroom after Jimmy was dead in the fire and lit the fire. They said that she was doing this for Jimmy's life insurance money and was probably hoping, like you said, that the entire house would have burned because then if the house had burned, she would have gotten another $500,000. Oh, yeah. So when the medical examiner was brought to the stand, this is what he said happened. So Jimmy is injected, and he probably felt like a little teeny, you know, poke of something. And because, you know, Shelly was used to giving injections, she probably knew how to do it quickly and as painlessly as possible. Huh. But in the first minute... Jimmy would probably start to feel some sort of muscular weakness. In minutes two to three, he would be unable to stand already. What? Okay. It it works super fast. Hmm. By minute four, he starts losing the ability to breathe. Oh, wow. His lungs and respiratory muscles stop working, but he's still fully conscious as to what is going on around him. Oh, no. He's suffocating, but on nothing. Because he's not really, like, drowning or, like, having something in his face. It's just his muscles Aren't working anymore. working. Oh, that's His terrifying. oxygen's just, you know, being used up. 
probably took him close to 13 minutes before he was finally dead. So from minutes 4 to 13, he's just slowly, painfully dying. He's totally aware of what's going on this whole time. He knows what's happening to his body. He knows he can't move. He probably knows who injected him because there's a good chance she was right there watching it all happen. But... Well, I guess there's nothing you can do. Because I was going to say, like, no matter how hard of a sleeper you are, and they said he was not, like, he was a pretty light sleeper. Right. But even if you're not, if somebody injects you with something. Oh, he had no chance. You're going to wake up. Mm-hmm. So he just, he knew what was going on and he couldn't do anything. Right. That's sickening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that she was right there. There's no way she would have just injected him and then ran. She watched. She has to be a sociopath, right? Is I, that the right term? Like, she has to be. Like, that's pure evil. Like, the number of things mm-hmm. that she's done mm-hmm. that was so evil, self-serving. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. So one of the jurors, this is a quote from one of the jurors that was listening to the whole trial. It says, it shocked me that Michelle Michael showed no emotion at all when crime scene photos were displayed, capturing her husband's charred remains in an equally destroyed bed. She showed no emotion, as scientists explained, how the bed in which her husband died smoldered under intense heat. She showed no emotion as doctors explained the torturous effects of the paralytic drug. She showed no emotion on the stand as she told prosecutors that she didn't know how her husband died. And she showed no emotion when other people described his pleasant demeanor and dedication to patients. The prosecutors said that Jimmy had been injected while he slept. Shelley killed him, then left the iron on, hoping that it would catch fire. She takes off to work 30 minutes early for the perfect alibi, but never hears that her house is on fire. She makes sure people are seeing her. She calls Jimmy about the lunches for the kids but still nothing about her home burning. So she makes the excuse about her pager being in the car, moving it out of the rain, and she drives back to her house and sets the fire with some accelerant, closes the door. This closing of the door actually is what saved what little physical evidence that was found. So the defense, they called six witnesses. Um, one of them was Shelley's like, lifelong friend, um, I'd mentioned her earlier, like the one that had come to visit, like, yeah. but didn't really know anything that was really going on about Shelly's life. Right. She didn't even know when she got pregnant. Right. Yeah. Um, she, the, one of the t- defendants um, called that friend's husband to the stand. So if the best friend doesn't know anything, the husband's not going to know anything. No. They called Bobby's wife, which I thought was kind of interesting, an old accountant and a private investigator that Shelley, um, and a private investigator as well as Shelley herself. They tried to say that Jimmy was unhappy in his marriage and committed suicide. So when Shelley took the stand, she was questioned for five hours. She changed her story again while testifying on the stand. And this time, she said that she did drive to her house, and that's why she was seen by the neighbor friend Mm -hmm. um but she just had to put some papers in her mailbox so not never actually went inside the house when asked what she thought happened to to jimmy she said that she thought that someone had killed him not that he had killed himself so because she had that nursing background and she knows what the drug can do they asked her about it and what it would be like for someone to die this way And she replied, it would be horrible. But again, she never shed a tear. So after a day of deliberation, yep, the jury made up of six men and six women found Shelley Michael guilty of first-degree arson and guilty of first-degree murder of Jimmy Michael. She received a life sentence with the possibility of parole. For the charge of murder of the first degree, she was sentenced to life with mercy. 
Meaning, do you know what that means? No, I was it means just going to ask. that she's eligible for parole after 15 years. Oh. Which I kind of hate. Um, but then she was also sentenced to the maximum penalty for first degree arson, which is 20 de- years in jail. Okay. So the West Virginia, um, they allow her to be eligible to see a parole board after serving a quarter of her sentence, which oh, is geez. just five years of that no. 20. So she's not going to be able to go before the parole board until 20 years because of the two consecutive sentences. Okay. Which Good. is at least better. Yeah. After she was sentenced, um, she was put in her little orange jumpsuit. She's handcuffed. And this is what she says to the judge and Jimmy's family. Quote, I in no way absolutely did not kill my husband. I did not destroy my family and our whole lives. I loved my husband tremendously. And I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes about that. Jimmy is the ultimate victim of this. It reminds me that God has a plan, but I can't for the life of me imagine what that plan is. And then another juror, he says, um, I'm not speaking for other jurors, but I knew that she would have a much harder sentence if she spent each day hoping for release, wondering if the day would ever come. I knew that she would have to do more in prison to be set free, meaning that she would have to adhere to the rules that she seemed to ignore in the days leading up to this case. Hmm. So Denny, interesting perspective. I kind of like that. It was very, um, like thought provoking. Yeah. Yeah. So Denny, who's the pastor, Jimmy's dad, that Uh punched the policeman. Yeah. He actually quoted the Bible when he addressed the court and he says, quote, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. That's a pretty broad statement. But he believed it was the love of money on Michelle's part that brought them into the situation. He says, Shelly, you may receive a sentence. You may get parole after 15 years. But I do know this. We received a life sentence. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. And the last thing he says, he says, Shelly, I don't hate you. I never did. But I hate what you did. I hate what you did to our family and your family, but I love you. I can forgive. It's stored up in me. Wow. And that's the end of the horrible person that is Shelly Michael. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Like, there's almost, and this isn't in any way defending her, but you almost have to wonder what is, so wrong with her because clearly she's not mentally well at what point is it beyond her own control you know like people don't necessarily choose to be sociopaths so but don't do you think she always was one I have no idea I mean I'm just throwing it out there I'm not saying like obviously she's pure evil Mm -hmm. for so so many reasons but just I was thinking like ethically at what point are you so screwed up in the head where you can't necessarily be blamed for your actions I guess that's kind of the insanity I was defense, just gonna right? say but that never even came up they didn't ever try to use the insanity no plea. because too like okay not only did she kill like okay obviously she screwed up all of these people's relationships and had no shame whatsoever involved that's what I was gonna say next not only did she kill the best friend her husband uh, like all this guy who was so much to so many people but he was also the father of these kids that she considered her own Mm -hmm. so that's pretty messed up too on all her money exactly that's I mean that's what it comes down to is his life insurance and she was I think hoping for the house and just, I mean, really, like, that's what your this human being is worth to you? Yeah, that's where it's like, you're not well. Mm-hmm. There's something, there's a screw loose in your head to even consider that. And I, then to follow through with it. And I almost wish that she would have talked to Bobby about it and maybe tried to get Bobby in on it. 
Because maybe he would have said, like, uh, you're crazy. But how did they not already know that she was freaking whack job? He slept with her three days before Jimmy died. Don't sleep with anyone who thinks it's okay to do back handsprings. <laughs> I keep screwing that word up. Handsprings. Down a Down a hallway. hospital hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Crazy. Horrible, horrible person. Absolutely. That's disgusting. Well, thanks for that. Sure. I'm going to think of the term blowout differently for the rest of my life now. So there's that. There's also the term blowout used um, for when a kid has a diaper explosion. Disgusting. So that's not much better of a term. So disgusting. And then there's the blowout that you can get in your hair. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. They're lighting the mood a little. You want to pick for next week? Sure. Okay, so do you want to pick first? Or do you want to do your last thought and a shot first? I'm going to do my last thought and a shot first because I feel like that's the order we normally go in, right? I don't know. Okay. Well, I mentioned on the first episode, maybe a couple episodes back, when you pulled West Wait, the Virginia. the first episode? I mean, like the first episode of your two-part Oh, I thought you were going to series. episode one. Oh, no, I don't remember that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, I have good. no idea what we talked about. Okay. No. Hypnosis. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. It was fun. Yeah. We okay. need to revisit that topic because there's a lot more stories. Oh, if we could get a hypnotist to come on our show, how fun would that be? It would be, but I feel like I can't be hypnotized. I don't think I can either. <laughs> how, how awkward would that be? Well, maybe they could just talk to yeah, us. Yeah, I guess so. And tell us what's wrong with us that we cannot be hypnotized. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, go for okay, it. Okay, so I... Last episode. Yes, I think. Or maybe when you first pulled your West Virginia. Uh-huh. I mentioned Mountain Dew Mouth. Oh, right. Ew. <laughs> Because I had heard about Mountain Dew Mouth. So gross. And when I heard about it, I thought that it was associated with West Virginia. And it turns out it is. But it's also associated with like a lot of states kind of in that region. Mountain Dew. Oh, that's what I should have done. I should have made a drink with Mountain Dew. It would have been hard to drink though. Ugh. Okay. So here's a little description. No, I don't want to hear this. (laughs) No, it's very educational. You need to know these things. So this is from NPR. So, uh, public health advocates say soft drinks are driving the region's alarmingly high incidence of eroded brown teeth, the phenomenon dubbed Mountain Dew Mouth, after the region's favorite drink. They want to tackle the problem with policies including restricting soda purchases with food stamps, now called Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, a.k.a. SNAP. Mm -hmm. And um, they talk about how taxpayers' dollars are paying for this thing that's causing people to have all kinds of problems and there's like no nutritional benefit to it blah 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 i don't i don't disagree with that i oh, actually no. think that's a very smart i yeah thing. if uh-huh. you're giving public getting public assistance for money money for food and stuff uh-huh. i think it should be healthy nutritional stuff i do yes and this is politics with reza okay i mean no we're not supposed to talk about politics <laughs> no i mean i think i think that's a fair assessment i don't think anybody will get mad at us for having that view they might Ugh, whatever. They get mad at us. They can suck it. Um, so it says, this is a quote from some dentist that says, I see erosion from the acids in these drinks and decay from the sugars, says Stephen Garib, spokesperson for the Academy of General Dentistry and a practicing dentist in West Virginia. They go hand in hand with, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. They go hand in hand many times and they're equally bad. I would definitely attribute these problems to the drinks. Both sodas and energy drinks, he says, are more damaging than food. So this actually has a striking similarity to the effects of methamphetamine and crack on teeth. Like, we've all seen those pictures, like the faces of meth. Uh-huh. That's what he's comparing it to. It's that bad. It, But it's not specifically Mountain Dew. No, it's just that Mountain Dew has a lot more sugar, sugar and caffeine than the average soft so drink. And it's like the favorite of the region. It's from Tennessee, so it's okay. kind of like a regional thing, I guess. So that's what's causing the decay is the sugar and the not necessarily the carbonation. I think carbonation attributes to it as well. Oh, yeah. That and makes it's like me feel bad because I love acidic. my bubble water. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's not great for your teeth. I mean, it's probably not nearly as bad as soda. Mm-hmm. But okay, here's some, some stats for you really quick. 
26% of preschoolers in the region have tooth decay. Oh, no. 15% of 18 to 24-year-old babies have had tooth extractions due to decay and erosion. Wait, at 24 months? That's two years. Yeah. A two-year-old child is getting teeth pulled because of their teeth are rotting out of their mouth. Are they putting Mountain Dew in baby bottles? Well, <laughs> it can't be. Why? Right? Maybe they just don't know about brushing their teeth. Maybe it's genetics, too. Maybe there's a lot of people in that region that just like, I mean, people can have genetically bad teeth. That is true. Yeah. Um, It also says the elderly are affected. Some 67% of West Virginians age 65 or older have lost six teeth or more to tooth decay or gum disease. How many teeth do we have? I don't know. Don't ask me these questions. You got your wisdom teeth pulled, right? I did, yes. Mine are still in. Yeah. I've never had a tooth pulled, ever. Yeah, it was creepy. The um, sleepy time drugs freak yeah. me out. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I like them. Where you just blink and you've lost like three hours of your life? If that not is more. super creepy. I love it. I hate that. But that's weird. Why would anybody like that? I don't that's know. That's not normal. I think it's just different. To just... Completely black. Do you do you enjoy getting blackout drunk? No, because I get sick. Oh, well, (laughs) if you didn't get sick, well, I like the pre. That doesn't freak you out that you've just like lost time. Yeah, I mean it is weird. That's not normal. (laughs) That's not okay. (laughs) That's strange. Yeah. Do you want to pick your? topic and and location for next week um sure I will I think we talked about this before because when we're picking our locations sometimes there's like a really really great story mm-hmm. but we picked a topic that doesn't, doesn't fit, fit that mm-hmm. which is kind of what you did tonight I um stretched the theme of medical oddities yeah, so I think we agreed that uh, we're just going to go ahead and pick a region and we're just going to find the most strange and unusual story we can in that region. And it's our podcast, our rules. Yeah, we might change it next week. Who knows? Who yep. cares? Mm-hmm. Nobody's but listening anyway. We have so many listeners. Thank you for listening. Hey, if you haven't left uh, left us a review or rated us or told a friend about us, um, go and do that so we can... Um, so make, we can... <laughs> maybe get a sponsor one day. And then we'll have commercials. And we know how much you guys love commercials. Dream big. Yeah. I'm, what's that <laughs> thing that all the TikTokers are doing now? The manifesting the... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, That's the, like from The Secret. We'll put it out into the into the universe and manifest Yeah. This. We're going to be bigger than... Who's the biggest podcaster? Uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. We're going to be bigger <laughs> than Joe Rogan. We are. You watch. Okay. The Ripple podcast is coming so, at you. Let me pull a state. Okay, here. Okay. Can you reach it? Yeah. Okay. Rhode Island. Oh, it's so little and cute. And they have chickens. Rhode Island Reds. Yeah. That lay brown eggs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we know things. I have no idea what goes on over What there. else happens in Rhode Island? I have no idea. It's little. It is. Okay. I'll find something. Cool. All right. Until then, don't forget to be a fountain. Not a drain. Bye. Bye.